All right. Well, I've only seen two movies. I didn't bother with Evan Hansen. You can maybe just give me the the rundown. Yeah. Do you think you'll ever go see it? I might stream it out of curiosity. Yeah. I want to. I kind of want to see what Julianne Moore and other people are doing. But uh, I'm probably not going to waste a theatrical ticket on it. Yeah, what a curiosity is this adaptation. So, of course, I'm going to talk about it now. Mm-hmm. Dear Evan Hansen is an adaptation of the stage musical that uh, was from, depending on which iteration you're thinking of, 2015, 2016, 2017, during those years. And it stars Ben Platt as Evan Hansen, this high school student who has chronic anxiety and depression, a litany of mental health issues that are not really spelled out in the musical, but they are named in the movie. And his therapist has given him the assignment of writing daily letters to himself to try to pump himself up for each new day of high school. And Julianne Moore plays his mom, who's encouraging of him to write the letters and to try to reach out and make some friends. And so he writes this letter to himself that instead of being peppy is despairing. And through a series of events, it's stolen by this uh, pretty, pretty disturbed student um, who is the brother of the girl who Evan likes. And he steals the letter, takes it home, but then later dies by suicide. So the family believes that this letter that Evan wrote to himself was a suicide note from their son to Evan Hansen, who they believe was his friend. And so here's the major critique fundamentally of the story that any uh, usual young person would clear, clear up the misunderstanding that no, we were not friends, Mm -hmm. but Evan doubles down and creates um, this extravagant lie about how he was the best of friends with this person. And he does this because his mom works too much and he's always wanted a family and he has a crush on the sister Mm -hmm. and this gets him closer to her. And, Evan's story inspires the school and goes viral online and all of these people are getting the mental health help they need because they're so inspired (laughs) by Connor's story. Uh, That's the guy who died and uh, Evan. And there's no place for this to go except for it to come crashing down and to uh, watch, watch what happens. And so, yeah, you can't really like Evan, unfortunately, Mm -hmm. because He's a terrible person. And so there's this there's this song when it all comes crashing down called Words Fail. And it's like, I remember when I first heard it on the Broadway recording, it seemed like really poignant and really deep and gripping and moving of him, like finally coming to terms with what he's done. And when he's a believable teenager with a lot of mental health problems, maybe that played better on stage. Um, but in the in the movie, he might as well have just like walked up to someone and stabbed them in the heart and they go, why did you do that? He's like, ah, words fail. Oh, big mistake. Yep. Yep. Feel bad about that one. <laughs> Major <Wow>. blunder. You know, <laughs> yeah. so it's almost laughable. Um, ben Platt has gotten like a lot of lot of shit online for being too old. And I think that that's mean and unwarranted. He does look too old for the part, um, but he the. The performance is brilliant. I think that he is wonderful in the part, like both his singing and his acting. Um, he does a great job. I see why they wanted to cast him and put it on film. 
Hmm. Um, but but he is a little creepy because um, we're looking at him more as an adult man who'd be making these choices. But he's not the only one. There are other characters who make some really bent ethical decisions and everyone's just off the hook. Mm-hmm. And so it's a it's a really depressing story. Um it's the it's fine. Like it's it's made fine and the performances are are good. Um but it's really hard to see in real life. This is one that I think really relied on the stagecraft mm-hmm. and the you know the projections and the frenetics and certainly choreography and um everyone yeah looking a lot younger back then and now when we kind of see it based in reality you really see the flaws in the story hmm. i was i was taken as i was kind of considering it um how really the most interesting character is connor the boy who dies and we never get to meet him hmm. he it's all just lies that Evan makes up about him. We never find out anything real. And there's one scene that he and Evan have together. And, and before he freaks out, they it's kind of warm. And he's kind of opening himself up to Evan. And he seems like he wasn't such a bad guy. But his family seems to know nothing about him. And it just doesn't make sense. I thought, what a nice fix that would have been. It would have fundamentally altered the show. Mm-hmm. But what if he and Evan actually had started to become friends? And what if Evan, you know, took that and then lied from there, making it out to be more than it was? And what if he was haunted by by Connor and Connor's either encouraging them to continue on with the lie or critiquing him throughout the evening? I, I think it would have been good to give that character a voice. But um, but yeah, that's that's Dear Evan hmm. Hansen. Is there any uh source material or origin or any kind of a even like partially based on a true story or is it just the invention of a writer well so i was interested in this because there was this article that was like oh it was based on real events that happened at the writer's high school so i click on that and you know what the real event was <laughs> a student died oh, and then suddenly everyone tried to kind of make it about themselves right. in their public displays of grief mm-hmm. well that always happens yeah. When when someone dies. Mm-hmm. They do they do the movie thing where when someone posts something, everyone's phone in the whole town lights up. Mm-hmm. So whether you're at work or at the supermarket or on the street, everyone's pulling their phone out at the same time, kids right. and adults alike. Mm-hmm. That's not how that's not how that works. Right. Um hmm. Yeah, there it, it's it, it has it has problems, but you you see what it was trying to to put together. Do you think the film would have been better if it was a little more abstract and fanciful? Like maybe like the mom was or something, or is it just not, doesn't lend itself to film? No. And the, the musical numbers are, first off, I don't like the score. I'll say right off and I've never connected to it. Um, Everything is, is really singing um, what's happening in time Mm-hmm. It every song advances the plot. There isn't a lot of reflection, so I feel like sometimes in musicals it's good to go to a fanciful place for the musical numbers and then come back to reality for the book scenes. Mm-hmm. This doesn't really need that, because yeah. um, everything is very integrated into the plot. Mm-hmm. Um, what else was I going to say about this? Oh, 
so William, what's his name? Bibiani, the critic on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Um, Bibiani. So, yeah, exactly. Bibs. 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 Yeah, he said, um, does anyone notice that this is like the exact plot of some movie I'd never heard of? And so I looked up that movie, and indeed, it's the exact plot of that movie. Oh, yeah, I saw this, and I do know the movie, but I forgot what it is at this moment. And anyway, um, Bobcat, what's his name? Goldweight? Oh, World's Best Dad, yeah. Or yeah. World's Greatest Dad. He like wrote it and directed it or something? Yeah, yeah, I've seen it. Yeah. Anyway, the mascot of the high school is the Bobcats. Huh. And but the word Bobcat is constantly shown in close-up. Hmm. And what he what uh he was talking about was like that can't be a coincidence right like mm-hmm. <laughs> that, that that's hmm. like way way too much of a tell yeah i don't know it's weird yeah i mean that, and that movie goes to a totally different place it ends up being about the dad's you know mental state and mm-hmm. and it actually ends up being you know meta poignant in other ways mm-hmm. uh nowadays but yeah that's an interesting uh i'd completely forgotten about that movie's existence it's one of those forgotten yeah little indies, um but... caitlin deaver plays yeah. zoe um connor's sister and she's great as like always her. yeah um amy adams is connor's mom and i, I want to say she's less successful but it's not because of her she brings out mm-hmm. way more like a lesser actress. I can't imagine what they would have done with this role because it's an impossible role. It's mm-hmm. it's not based on any reality at all. What school allows grieving parents to come in and bring another student and meet with another student in mm-hmm. private to bring them into their family's grief? Like what what right. what school brokers this? Right. Um, Julianne Moore is very good as the mom. Again, she's too old because he's too old. Mm-hmm. Right. Like. It it just keeps on going down the line. It right. I, for some reason I kept on thinking Kate Hudson would have been a good cast. She's about the right age for this. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, Julianne Moore is good, but her character is also like kind of too proud and unlikable in the end too. And her final song, it's a song that in the original um, Broadway cast I could not listen to it. It was so relentlessly depressing. And I still find it to be to pack such an emotional wallop that it, even when it's good, it's like the better it is, the less I want to hear it. Yeah, you know, and because that's the that's one of the Tony roles besides mm-hmm. Ben Platt. And I, and I was thinking, why was this singled out? And I was like, oh right, this moment at the end, she gets mm-hmm. this huge payoff song. Um, but yeah, it was so long too. Mm. two and a half hours like <laughs> it needed cutting uh it sounds like it would be better suited to like an episode an hour you know, of an hour-long family drama that's about the teenage kid than being like all in for just one story i don't know it sounds like a plot it sounds so plotty yeah but i think anyway. that yeah i mean had it been you know why why is anything anything you know yeah. like well why isn't you know this that well because they made a musical and not a tv show but it would lend itself to a to a limited series i think Mm -hmm. um without the music because you could have raised the tension of yeah of what's going to happen but Hmm. okay well i'll probably my curiosity will uh oh yeah definitely lead me to it one day i would say definitely see it 
Um, speaking of length, I'm going to see the new James Bond movie on Thursday. And it is two hours. I'm seeing it's two hours and 43 minutes. That's way too long. Makes me apprehensive. I saw Casino Royale in a theater last week because they're kind of, you know, re releasing Uh the other bonds. That's remains, I think, the best bond. Hmm. If somebody wanted an entry point, I think that's the one. It's really good. I know I saw that back in the day. Yeah. Uh, okay. Well, shall let's, well, who gets to talk about what? Cause we have two real, uh, choice pieces of entertainment left to discuss. Let's well, do Tammy you... Faye. Cause that's the oldest one. Okay. Go for it. Uh, all right. Um, let me just bring up, it's been a little while. I just, I read the Ebert review to, um, jog my memory. Cause it's been a minute. So, The Eyes of Tammy Faye is a uh, 2021 biography drama history. It's a history movie, right. according to IMDb. Directed by Michael Showalter um, of, you know, comedy of and other little indie movies. He's had a, an interesting uh, roller coaster of a uh, directing career. And um, are you familiar with him? He was on MTV's The State. That's the first place I ever oh, saw Michael Oh, I mean, I know, I know The State, but I don't recognize him by name. He was the guy who played Doug. Mm. You're too cool, Dad. Anyway, uh, yeah, and so he's a filmmaker, and he made this movie, which is an adaptation. I didn't realize that it's it's just an adaptation of the existing documentary of the same title. I wonder, about... how, that, I wonder how that can be. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I guess I can see people saying that this would be fun and it would be juicy for actors to dig into and it would be an interesting world people you know there's like just a thing about mm-hmm. digging into a moment in history especially of recent history 80s 90s early 2000s it's kind of something that's in right now i guess and mm-hmm. these actors certainly had a lot to work with but uh yeah it, it basically is a biopic of tammy Faye and um what was her maiden name? It's gone. I had it before. Grover, Tammy Faye Grover, uh, who ended up being, of course, known to the the nation and possibly the world as Tammy Faye Baker, as the wife of televangelist Jim Baker and founders of PTL. Uh, and um, Jessica Chastain plays adult Tammy Faye, and Andrew Garfield plays Tim uh, Jim Baker. Vincent D'Onofrio is Jerry Falwell Sr. in a very <laughs> malevolent performance. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cherry Jones is uh, Tammy Faye's mother. So the movie starts off in her childhood. I thought that it, well, I guess since it's based on a documentary and largely based on existing footage, I feel like they got the details of the PTL world mm-hmm. right. It felt right, felt real. Even though they were kind of cartoonish and over the top, there was something I felt that was you know, believable about their interactions with the other characters like Falwell and whatever. Uh, but I, I don't know about the portrayal of the assemblies of God and the, and the charismatic church mm-hmm. of her youth. It felt like it was just kind of movie religion, just like this old <laughs> Southern church with people saying weird shit. That really, that actually <laughs> rang really true for Oh, me. did it? Okay. <laughs> uh, all right then. And uh, yeah, essentially she's, 
you know, she's got her own, she, oh, she, her, so yeah, it's a bunch of stuff I didn't know about Tammy Faye, that her mother was divorced, and so, uh, and she was a holdover from the previous marriage, and her mother remarried, and uh, I guess that was considered so scandalous that young Tammy Faye was not allowed to go to church with her family, and her big act of rebellion was showing up at church and getting slain in the spirit. Mm -hmm. She then grows up, goes to uh, some uh, it wasn't Liberty. I don't think Liberty existed back then. Some big Bible college and meeting Jim Baker. They kind of uh, immediately are magnetized to one another and they realize that they want to take their puppets and prosperity gospel on the road. They end up crossing paths with people like Falwell, Pat Robertson, and they end up uh, becoming superstars of the burgeoning televangelist world in the late 70s, early 80s, and uh, then begins the story that most people know of PTL and scandal and excess and um, everything comes tumbling down because of certain indiscretions of Jim's. And then it just is a kind of a, a touching portrait of, of her post-Jim years. Uh, yeah, so I mean, it, it's all very kind of fluffy. It's all done for entertainment. It's not. It doesn't. I don't think it's quite to the level of satire, but it's it's light. It's fun, and the actors are having a good time. It does not cover as much ground as the documentary did. It feels like maybe. Uh, I mean, I know I actually feel like they usually stuff too much into biopics, so maybe they made some smart decisions. I don't know. Uh, the question has been asked, Dan, you've asked it. I've seen other people ask it of why was this movie made? It's a good question. I'm not sure why it needed to exist, especially since a very good documentary apparently uh, already exists, but I had fun watching it. It's entertainment. It's, it, it's a world that uh, I have enough distance from that I can be kind of tickled by, uh, by looking at it in the rear view. I, and just, I think the performances are good. I think, it's a. I don't know that I would have ever seen Chastain as Tammy Faye. Mm -hmm. uh, I think Andrew Garfield is a little more one to one. As a, yeah, he is as a, uh, with Jim Baker, and uh, I thought he was great. I I really liked it. I just was tickled by it, and I I had a good time. And it doesn't mean much. It doesn't have a whole lot to say. I like that it was affectionate to her. She ends up coming across as a good human being, who. Uh, you know, managed to shed her own little light through a, a pretty messed up, uh, you know, uh, industry and, uh, and ministry that she was involved in. But, um, I don't know what was, what was your thoughts, Dan? Yeah, very similar. I find it difficult to talk about just the movie. Mm -hmm. I find that I want to talk about the bakers and I want to talk about their story. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I have questions about the things that happened that were not movie decisions. They were just, how did yeah. that happen in real life? Right. Um, which kind of goes to me to show that there's not much going on in the movie, mm -hmm. except just uh, to to play out what happened in real life. I think uh, Jessica Chastain is great. I think she really embodies Tammy Faye. You're right. They're very sympathetic to her. Uh, I liked Andrew Garfield just as much <laughs> as Jim. Um, there's, there's something about their posture and their theological approach um, especially in the 80s and 90s that I can like really resonate with that I, I like what they were trying to bring. Um, and I understand people's glee and their falling, you know, and that's mm -hmm. and, that, and that makes me sad because I think that they were not like good people. They were, you know, Jim, especially mm -hmm. um, with his 
financial dealings was was not you know up to anything good and he's still not up to anything good absolutely absolutely and he's even worse off the rails but i i think that her heart was good and i do believe that she was pretty ignorant to what was happening around her um in in a lot of what's what what's going on i didn't here was a question that i had and this is where the movie may or may not have been true to life she had to go and confess on the show to an affair with that guy. Um, the way they presented it in the film though, nothing really had happened before they were rudely interrupted by the birth of a child. Right. You know, so I'm wondering what, what about that relationship rose to the level of scandal that it had to be publicly admitted. Right. I don't, I mean, I don't want to get too nuts and bolts or graphic with (laughs) descriptions, but I, it was my understanding as awkward and quick as the scene was that there might have been uh, sexual Congress in that scene. Okay. That was just kind of rushed and weird. And I felt like, wow, that was fast. But um, so that was, I think that, and, and of course, like so many things in this movie feel like they are condensed and rewritten a little bit and simplified to be more entertaining. Mm-hmm. Like the fact that she's giving a penis pump demonstration on right. the day her, her mother comes and sits in the front <laughs> row of the show. Um, but so I, I think there's probably more going on than they were taking the time to depict. Uh, and also it's, I mean, it's just, it is interesting. I didn't, I didn't know that part of the story. Um, of course, they make you know it's a much more sympathetic d- indiscretion than his, yeah, right, which was kind of arranged and mm-hmm. dirty and off-site and whatever. But um, so yeah, I don't know to answer your question. I don't know for sure, but I kind of assumed that there was more going on there. Yeah, and even if there was, like, yeah. why would anyone have known about it? Like, right. And I mean, I guess people in church, you know, can be super judgmental. Mm-hmm. But when you consider what he's up to and, yeah. you know, you'd think you'd maybe give her a pass, especially right. when he's as disinterested in her as as the movie made him out to mm-hmm. be. Right. And that, yeah, the whole thing felt very contrived and, and nothing like it really happened. Right. Like, it feels like this movie has a lot of fun recreating things that were on got on camera. And then otherwise, even though I'm saying I like the performances and they ring true, everything's just staged in such a silly way. It might as well be a TV movie. Like the way that guy is in the, the, the room when the baby's delivered and right. everything exactly. it's contrived. And I think that like something, so I'll talk, here's something to talk about the movie. I thought that Jessica Chastain was very funny at times mm-hmm. with um, like that scene where Jim's trying to get that guy to extend him more credit. Mm-hmm. And she's just kind of like walking around the background. Yeah. Yeah. Like looking like hell. And, and before she intervenes, I just thought that was like so funny. Yeah. And, and like the same when they, when they do the shots of like their TV spots and she's just dead on the inside or right, high yeah. on something. I just thought those sequences were so good. It's a great performance. And I didn't see it. Like she, Jessica Chastain is so elegant and angular uh-huh. and Tammy Faye is just kind of this little bubble. Like she's just this little, and it's quite a transformation, but I, I think most of it comes from inside. I think Chastain is just mm-hmm. really good. And yeah, she's really channeling her. Like yeah. she doesn't seem like she's putting on, like it doesn't seem like an impersonation. Yeah. And the scenes later, the post prison scenes where she's interacting with those teenage boys mm-hmm. and going for that uh, pitch meeting. Like it was mm-hmm. heartbreaking, but also just, you just get the sense as you do from the real Tammy Faye, that she was, there was something special about that person. Mm-hmm. 
even though she is also kind of a, a walking joke and like embodies this excess, like to have the excess of the eighties combined with religious grifting. Like she's just such an icon mm -hmm. of America at that time. And yet also managed to shine through as a quality person, which is weird. How right. does that work? Right. I feel like it's almost America trying to um, get pardoned for their sins in a way, because so many people did exactly what she did in the Christian world. Mm -hmm. Like maybe she did it at a higher level. Mm -hmm. um, but I knew so many people who are kind of just from those strange evangelical prosperity circles. Yeah. Um, They're all just the same, but then she is, you know, this harlot, she's the joke. She's the one who did it wrong. And, and that's mm -hmm. really unfair just because she did it at the highest level and probably best. Mm -hmm. I thought it was really weird as a choice until I realized that it's probably just true that she, you know, they, they choose that appearance at Oral Roberts university mm -hmm. as the big, like, and obviously it's probably overblown and, and literally in her mind it's overblown, but right. I, the choice of the battle hymn of the Republic right. as a Christian song to sing, I was like, that's crazy. But then I realized, Oh, it's the eighties and it's nationalistic and that probably, of course, and she sang yeah. that on the show all the time. I know. So she, mm -hmm. that's just, that's just so weird to me right. that you would get a bunch of, you know, fervent Christians in a room and sing that song and everybody would be teary eyed. Oh, I mean, they would love know. it. That there are people I know who would love that today. Yeah, yeah, that's crazy to me. But and it's cute and pathetic and kind of embarrassing all at the same time. But um, all right. So this is weird, and I don't know if you're in a place where you can look at IMDb and look at the page for this movie. But if you look at the, I'm looking at the cast list, mm -hmm. and the guy who played her father, her stepfather, uh, Fred. He. Uh, oh, so she's not Tammy Faye Grover because that's her mother's remarried name. So I know oh, there's I another I got it. Messner. Is that the name Messner? Anyway, uh, Frederick Lane, I looking at his picture and I know that guy and I didn't realize it was him. I don't know. He, he just played it as such a kind of a droopy sad sack. Uh, this is not important. It's just I'm looking at the castles and I was like, oh, I know that guy. He just like uh, did not look like him. A lot of people didn't look like themselves, I guess, mm. in this movie is the point. I want to know about uh, the movie makes overtures about Jim Baker and his uh, his assistant guy. Yeah. Uh, is that just conjecture after the fact? Because uh, that's not part of this, the narrative. No, uh, I mean, as I, far as I know, I think that that makes a lot of sense. Yes. yes. <laughs> um, based based on what we see mm -hmm. um, and both with Tammy Faye and his disinterest in the arranged tryst. Right. <laughs> um, yeah, I think that none of that has ever really come to light, though there are just reports of that. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, he continues to be a Christian personality on TV to this day. Right. And I don't know that any of that has really ever come out, but... Um, yeah, that I, I like that the movie went there without being heavy handed about mm -hmm. it. Another very contrived scene, though, where she's walking through the studio all happy, yeah. like such a TV show <laughs> scene where she's just I can't wait to go tell them my ideas. And then she's what? Oh, they're talking about me. And like, I felt like that was like a personality shift for Jim because yeah. that because he was shown to be a sincere, kind person um, who really was in a, in a good partnership with her. Yeah. And then my question is, well, what happened that we find out he's just totally two faced. Yeah. Um, that's one good thing. The movie has up to that point 
and it, you know it has to portray events that took place but like as much as these people are grotesque and as much as what they represent is grotesque it kind of gives them the you know the the legitimacy of their convictions to a point where mm-hmm. like you really believe that Tammy Faye believes what she believes and Jim actually kind of believes what he believes even though he's willing to cut corners to make money and lie and do whatever else but like I don't know. It, it's not just, I think Falwell's the only one who comes across as truly villainous. And I think that's probably accurate. Right. It's like, where, where, where's Philip Seymour Hoffman when we needed him? Right. Yeah. Like not like Vincent D'Onofrio wasn't, wasn't great, but I'm just saying like, that's to me who would have been in that part. Right. uh, Years ago. And crazy to think that Pat Robertson is only now retiring. Oh my gosh. (laughs) I know. It's nuts. Anyway, yeah, uh, doesn't need to exist. Slight, forgettable, fun. I liked it. Yeah. Uh, all right. I guess that means that the uh, this falls to you, unless you want me to just take it. No, I'm no, happy my... to do this for us. Go for it. All right. All right. So we saw Titan. Titan. 2021 body horror, do you think? Written <laughs> and directed by Julia. How do we say this? Ducournau? Sure. Yeah. Okay. And the film stars Agatha Roussel as Alexia. So we got to go back a little bit. When Alexia is a young girl, she kind of, she seems disturbed, right? (laughs) But she kind of causes her dad to be distracted and there's a terrible car accident. Was she willing the car accident? Who knows? But, um, But Alexia is badly injured and has to have a titanium plate uh, implanted in her skull and when she wakes up she despises her parents it seems but she loves the family car she embraces it and kisses it yes. then we jump ahead and similar to uh, a, a theme this season say in Pig when we're in the uh, Portland underground <laughs> chef <laughs> fight club scene there seems to be like this what motor show that yeah. um, exotic dancers one right. of whom is the grown Alexia um, dancing on cars. And we discover that uh, she's into cars. She has at least one sexual relationship with a car mm-hmm. and becomes pregnant by it. Now, that would be a lot for a movie to hold. But also, <laughs> she's a prolific murderess. Mm-hmm. And she goes about killing people for... it. Didn't There wasn't a ton of reason. Like, I understand no. that guy was like harassing her and being annoying um at the same time i felt like she continued to spur him on so that she could kill him right yeah and so she has this trail of gruesome cruel murders in her wake but one witness manages to get away so she's got to go on the lamb and what do you do when you gotta hide but you disfigure <laughs> yourself and uh you're pregnant with this car's baby and you're beginning to lactate motor oil, like in even more alarming things. And she pretends to be the 17-year kidnapped child of a fireman, you know, as you do, returned, mm-hmm. and try to become an apprentice at the fire station. And then at a crucial moment, your instincts to be an exotic, exotic dancer kick back in, and you make your father figure ashamed of yourself. Um, until it's finally time for you to carry that, that car child to term and, um, 
and will will dad help you? Will, will you be on your own? Will you will you survive the birth? These are all the questions that we want to know through to ten. So uh, that that was a whole experience for me. It was a it was a yeah. major barf for lots of it. Perfectly mm-hmm. provocative and bold. Mm-hmm. Don't get mm-hmm. me wrong. I wasn't bored for a second. But uh, yeah, body horror is right. It's uh, disgusting and dismaying has it, throughout. Has an actor been nude for so much of oh. their lead performance before ever? I, I don't. I do not know. Like the body is a character, right? Mm-hmm. And there's so many themes of gender going on and how you would need to bind yourself and hide mm-hmm. your body to fit into uh, being a different kind of, of put, right. taking on a different persona. Um, the, the pain and the suffering <laughs> inflicted on everyone, like even the, the father um, is an aging, you know, muscle bound man who can't handle the fact that he's too old to be as strong as he used to be, you know, <laughs> overdosing on steroids um, setting himself on fire, like the, the horrifying images that mm. that go on with people's bodies in this in this movie. Yeah. And she, yeah, I mean, it's a movie where it's a different thing every sequence, every couple of sequences, and you just don't. You, you, you very early on, you realize you just can't like follow it like a regular movie. It just has to wash over you. You just have to kind of go along but she her her visage as when we first see her as an adult and an exotic dancer is as such a lanky tall you know uh performer and then her body goes through i I just wonder how much is cgi how much is you know body because it doesn't obviously there's a lot of prosthetics going on or something going on Mm -hmm. just you know it's it's impressive in that way the way it's like, I don't know why I'm being asked to take in these images, but here they are. And they're quite convincing and uh, provocative. Yeah. And and the performances, I, I think it's another, it's another thing also that it's in French and it has subtitles because that puts it at a little bit of a, it's already batshit. And now it's got a little more of an alien quality. Yeah. Um, I don't know that I would enjoy like a, you know, if Rob Zombie makes a remake of this or something in English. I don't know how, if I would be as fascinated by it, but um, I don't, yeah, it's a, it's also a movie where you just end up so far from where you were and it doesn't, it's not quite as traditional as like, so you re, you know, you almost forget that she's the serial killer essentially. And then it's not like a traditional moral story where all oh, she has to pay for that. So she can't no. be happy. It's just, it's just happening. It's chaos. It's not like a, any trajectories or themes or anything. I mean, there may be themes, but they're not based on the morality of the tale. So I don't, yeah, I, I don't know what to make of it all, but boy. And I, I commented on Twitter after I saw it, that um, we don't deserve Annette and uh, to 10 in the same year. <laughs> I should have added Zola to that list because right, this, like yeah, yeah. there's some Zola energy in this movie. That's true. That's, that's a little more earthbound, but um yeah, um, I don't. I don't know what to say about it except that it's crazy. And if you think you can handle it, it's. I think it's worth a ride. I don't. I don't yeah, know if it's I great, mean, but there, there's such a surety in the storytelling to just be like, okay, so this lady's going to get pregnant by a car. We're all just good with that, right? <laughs> right. Okay. Also, she's a serial killer. Uh, great. And you know, and we just take that all in, and there isn't going to be accountability or right. even payoff we just want with when that's the premise what happens right 
she murders her own biological parents. Yes. And it's kind of just a brief scene. It's just kind of set up and then it just happens. It's not. Why, never did, re- why did she do that? Yeah. And, and the other thing or... that people have asked questions about is, I guess so. It would be easy. And again, this movie probably doesn't want to make anything easy. It'd be easy if it was just, oh, this thing happened and her brain got turned around and now she's crazy. But there's there's a darkness in her in the opening sequence before yes. she's been in the accident. She does seem to will that accident it to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and she does already seem to have some kind of relationship with the car because she's like right. making vroom vroom noises along with the engine of the car. Um, it's it's something else. I don't, I don't know. I don't know what to do with it, but um, yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's a lot to process. It's if, if I could stomach it, it would be interesting to watch again. I don't know that I'll ever watch mm-hmm. it again. Yeah. Yeah. I found the, the, the scene in the house where she murders several people to be mm-hmm. very upsetting yes. and hard to watch. Um, and most of it is hard to watch, but it gets more, the tension is different once she gets into the, the firehouse and everything. It, it's, I've never seen anything like it. Cause everyone pain and suffering. Like the beginning, it seems like she just wants to bite everybody's nipples off. Right. And (laughs) that's unpleasant. Yeah. And then that one guy like completely accepts her and shows her kindness. Oh, doesn't matter. No. Yeah. It it is a moral black hole. Yeah. And then it may, it, in certain scenes, it makes her almost sympathetic just in terms of her relationship with Vincent, the, the firefighter, mm-hmm. but not really. It's not the movie's aim. It's not supposed to be a story of redemption. No, it's just things that happen, but it's not, it's not a hundred percent nihilistic because there's feeling. Right. And you've, I don't know. It is crazy. I also wondered, there's a scene where uh, right in the fight with the would be victim who escapes to be a witness mm-hmm. where her head is smashed against the wall. Yes. And I wondered, does something happen there? Because she doesn't, I don't think she kills anybody. No, she kills her parents after that scene. So forget it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I felt like, well, is that a, something to watch? Because right. like, we're supposed to watch out for a head injury. And yeah. I think that she's already had a head injury mm-hmm. t- 10 times over. And yeah. But they make a point in the scene in the in the hospital when she's getting the plate to say another, or I think a mo- her mother asks something. You know, will can it have can it happen? To, I don't know what the question was, but the answer was oh, it would take severe trauma to move the plate. Right. I guess it was can the plate move? Was the right. question. I thought that was, why give us that information right. unless that's going to unless we're going to watch for it. Yeah, yeah. I, I felt like there was an interesting juxtaposition of like the fragility of the human body against the durability of metal. And I think, especially with the way things turned out, um, giving the grieving father a second chance mm-hmm. um, with something less fragile. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. Like mm-hmm. he yeah. kind of became centered in the end. Right. And yeah. And, we're in spoiler territory here, but I, it, what happens to her, I guess, and it was inevitable. Again, not because of some moral code where you have to right. pay for your sins, but it was just kind of like, that's it. That's the end of the road. Anyway, um, right. really interesting. Very confident. Very, uh, it is what it is. And uh, yeah, I don't know. It's a movie. It says in the trailer, uh, it's a fucked up movie and mm-hmm. it delivers. 
I feel like a lot of American directors would love to say that about their movie or, or marketing teams would like to say that about their movie. But if you have to think, say it about yourself. Yeah. And I think it is a critic actually being quoted in the trailer mm. for this one. So, uh, it, yeah, it earns it. All right. Well, that's what uh, I got. I'm seeing Bond this week and I forgot what it is the week after. But uh, Dune coming out soon. That'll be mm. another long one. Some of that buzz is good. What is the one for next week? Let me look up my tickets. Oh, Halloween Kills. Yeah, just out of... I've, I've stuck with that franchise long enough. I guess I'm going for the... Well, I'll probably go see it. Yeah. But, uh, all right. Yeah. I gotta go. Alrighty, same. But um, that was good. Thanks for talking, and uh, we'll catch up. You bet. All right, let me... Uh, oh, that's our podcast. Thanks, Rapino. <laughs> Thanks for listening. Maybe I'll remember to promote this, and we'll get somebody to uh, listen sure. to it sometime. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, all right. Uh, thanks, everybody. We'll see you next time. Bye.